Hello, and welcome back to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we give our takes on all things TV. Today is a kind of sad episode. It's our disappointments of 2023. Shows that we maybe were excited about and then did not live up to expectations or knew nothing about and then were, I don't know, somehow also a disappointment. I We didn't really talk about how we were framing this. We left it a little bit open to interpretation. So Jess, I don't know if there are other categories of disappointments that you included. I went with ones that I had hopes for. Yeah, that seems safe. On some level, at least like minor hopes based on either cast, network, hype, previous seasons. There were shows that I plainly did not enjoy, but that I really had no thoughts about ahead of time. And I thought that was less of a, oh, these shows were disappointing and more of a- I did not like this. This show was just bad. But I mean, I've certainly got those too. But yeah, that's my interpretation of, I like when we just throw out a prompt for a podcast episode, but like, do not speak about it further. Like, oh, what shall we talk about Friday? Disappointments. Okay. (laughs) I wanted to ask you, but then I was like, nah, it's better if we just- It's a fun art project. Let's talk about it. Let's just figure it out. So what did you do? I did a similar thing. I, I, we each picked three because otherwise we would talk for literally ever. Um, but I added a couple more at the end just in case we had different interpretations. There were a few that I didn't know anything about until le- reading the log line. And then just from that log line, it was disappointing. But that is, that's a different level of disappointment than hyping something up in your mind and then having it fall so flat. And so I mostly went with those. Um, my first was a lower key disappointment, but it was Well Mania on Netflix. Did you watch that? Yeah, I watched that whole thing. Me too. I liked it. I think my problem is with it, and this is why it's a disappointment, but not like I hated this show. I need to put that out, out there. I did watch it all. I did like it. But when I went into it, I was like, oh boy, this is an Australian comedy. I always like full out love Australian comedies. I don't know that there had been one up until this point where I was like, eh, that was fine. And this one was like, eh, that was fine. So I think the fact that it wasn't another, like put it in my pocket as something I could recommend to everyone was disappointing to me. It wasn't as well done. Like it still had some of the elements of Australian comedies that I like. It was like a little brasher, a little bit, um, more blunt in some of the jokes. They don't shy away from the everyday life troubles and shenanigans or whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say with troubles and shenanigans. I'm very Irish with those, with that coupling of words, but I don't know. It was a disappointment to me. That was the first one that came to mind actually. That's so interesting because I didn't even put that on my list. Like I started out by just writing down all the shows that like might count for this. Some of them just bad, some of them disappointing. And I didn't put I, I liked Wellmania. I didn't have the expectations of the Australian comedy like you did because this was probably the second Australian show I've watched in my life. I think Class of 07 probably being the first yeah. earlier this year. And I thought the the main character was funny. She's a good comedian. And she created the show as well. I just think the show centered around her to the point where it was – it took away from it. There weren't enough built up side characters. Like it was all her all the time. And it was like her hijinks and the stuff she was getting into, the shenanigans, as you said. And it got tiresome, like really tiresome. But I didn't dislike it. That I agree with. I also think the plot 
was almost too much. Like the, there were a lot of eccentricities of the, like things that had to happen for her to do a certain thing. And that sort of took away from it also. I think it could have, it could have been a less intense, I say intense. I just mean like fewer things could have happened and I would have been happy. I can't remember in particular, but I just know that there were a lot of like, oh no, and now she has to fly. And now she has to, does this make the whole, the whole premise? Yeah, no, I agree with you. The whole premise was like, she needed to get back to the U.S., she went to Australia and they like wouldn't let her go back because she was overweight or something like that. So she had to get healthy and she was trying to lose weight. But there were all these, all yeah, these things, things that she needed to get so back high for. Stakes. Time restrictions, everything. It was always like you have 24 hours to get back to the US. And it's like, well, the flight is 20 hours. So like, yeah. how am I going to lose 20 pounds in four hours? Stuff <laughs> like that where it was like stressful and also weird. Right. I think they could have done the same thing with slightly less cartoonish plot points. Um so anyway, but I, I I agree with you that I think this is all my disappointments purely because I put maybe too much stake in the category of Australian comedies because I've loved so many of the ones that I've watched. It's actually a perfect disappointment for you. It's like making me laugh because it's really like not a bad show. No. <laughs> but you just have such a weird – not a weird, just such a <laughs> devotion for Australian shows that to expect that this would have been amazing is like – I don't know. That's like saying, oh, I like – comedies that come out of NBC. So every NBC comedy has to be great. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. Just, you know, no, I, um, yeah. I even think, I just want to put another one in there. Um, <laughs> there is a show called The Letdown, which was not a letdown. It is Austro- also an Australian comedy. And I think it is closer to Wellmania than some of the other ones in terms of tone and um, like plot. It's a little bit sillier, but I still liked that better. Like if it had been that level, the the let let down level, I think I would have liked Wellmania better. But it was just it was just enough of a disappointment. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. It was cancelled. I don't mm. know if you saw that. I don't remember that, but I probably talked about it. What was your first disappointment? Well they only they canceled it like a few weeks ago. Oh like then no. Netflix took forever to make a decision about it, it seems, and then oh. decided not to move forward. Well I'm bummed I for that the creator. creator put something on her. Yeah, she put something on her Instagram. And yeah, it, it was sad because I was like, I think this this show could have gone places, but I can't really say I was like sad. Yeah, I, maybe it's also I've never seen that creator's comedy like stand up before, which I might like, but maybe I would like it more in a stand up capacity than in like a show capacity. I don't know that the transition from comedian, like stand up comedian to show runner or show creator, always translates for me. Maybe that's the case here, but also disappointed that she doesn't get you know, another chance. Yeah. Her name is Celeste Barber, by the way. I felt we should the probably need to say, say that since yeah. we kept saying the creator. And then at the, the point creator. where we said it like the seventh time, it started to sound like capital C creator and I was getting weird vibes. <laughs> she know. has 10 million Instagram followers. So I guess she's like a hu- big, huge deal in Australia. I think You'd she must be popular. I sort of remember reading about this. She, I think she got relatively popular for online comedy like is pretty good in that yeah is oh. it like she's in the letdown by the way that was that, a show that rings a bell named. i she think is, i knew that that's so interesting she's okay maybe she does like tiktoks and stuff well i'm i'm interested i didn't know her before the show my first disappointment extrapolations biggest by far and this was one where i didn't know anything about it until suddenly, like a month or a few weeks before it was going to be released, I saw a trailer for the show that had everyone in it. 
Meryl Streep, Gemma Chan, Kit Harington, Diane Lane, David Diggs, Edward Norton, Sienna Miller, Marion Cotillard. I was like, how did they put all these people in one show? Money. And then I found out it, it was in – well, it's Apple, so yeah. But also it's an anthology. So I was like, oh, okay. So like each episode has one or two of these big-name people. How could it be bad? Why would all of these people sign on for a show that is purely bad? And the concept sounded like Black Mirror in, in, a, in a sense, like Black Mirror obviously being an anthology, but being sort of a warning – against it you know it takes an aspect of society and amplifies it in a way that it becomes sort of a warning tale extrapolations by the premise sounded like it was going to be that but for environmental disasters and climate change and and how it can lead to all these things in the future with each episode being set in uh, i don't know like a hundred years in the future or something like that Mm. and it was so bad i cannot believe how I shouldn't just say bad. That's such a lazy, ugh, lazy adjective. But <laughs> I was I cannot believe how boring, preachy, dull this show was. Your disappointments saved me in some way. I don't I mean I say with an S, but I did not watch this show because you saw it first and you were like, no. <laughs> so I feel that's the only reason this isn't I mean Maybe not the only reason this isn't a disappointment for me, but I didn't even watch it because you told me it was bad and I believe you. I wonder if I saved anyone else from it because I did give it like an F in the newsletter. Yeah. That's very rare for me. Maybe it was a D. I don't know. I, I would be surprised be nice. if it was an F. <laughs> like. It was – yeah, it, but it really was – it was so disappointing. I'm still kind of confused about it. Obviously, Apple just has a lot of money to throw at stuff and I guess they thought this was a good – project to put forth however nobody wants to watch something that's bad so if they wanted to I keep using, I keep saying bad I wish I weren't doing that but if they wanted to make an actual like warning tale cautionary tale don't ruin the earth because all this stuff will happen they needed to make it interesting at least like ti- at least a tiny bit interesting and it just wasn't so yeah. that was my that was my biggest disappointment I'll do it I'll write it I'll say it I feel my number one disappointment I feel like people stopped talking about that pretty quickly, which is not a good sign. I mean, I guess it's a better sign than if people were outright bashing it for months and months on end. But I do, it felt like it was released. A couple people were like, oh, this wasn't that good. And then it sort of just fell off into oblivion. I wonder if all of- That's the case for a lot of Apple though. Like I can't even really say that that's a problem with this show or like a signature indication that this show is bad because Apple doesn't really promote their stuff. And then a lot of it goes kind of unwatched. I just guess – When a show's really good, people talk about it and this didn't have that at least. I guess I mean more because of the the cast and there were so many people in there that if they – if any of them had promoted it for longer than like a minute, maybe it would have caught on or maybe it would have had more hype, I guess. I don't know. It just seems weird that none of them I, – I didn't really see anything from the people who were in it about this show. Anyway, sorry that you didn't like it. And I'm glad that I didn't watch yeah. it. <laughs> you don't really get the sense that anyone is like happy Stoked. that they made this, but I hope they took home a big paycheck. Yeah, I can almost guarantee it. Another disappointment for me this year was Transatlantic on Netflix. And this is mainly because I like Gillian Anderson generally. I also like period pieces. I also thought the conceit for this TV show seemed interesting. Um, and then the execution just fell so flat. It was, 
It was a strange execution. Gillian Anderson seemed like she was acting in a comedy and everyone else was in a drama. I, it was kind of all over the place and I didn't have like such high hopes for the beginning, but from what I, from what I had gleaned about it before going into it, I was like, Ooh, I bet this is going to be another one that I'll binge watch all the way through. And I sort of had to force myself to sit through more than two episodes. So I'm going to be annoying and tell you that her name is pronounced Gillian because one time somebody yelled at me for saying Gillian. And so I don't want anyone to yell at us. I will be honest with you. I say it both ways (laughs) based on my mood of the day, but my bad. (laughs) I'm scarred from the time I got yelled at about it. People really like to be correct. And you know what? With somebody's name, you should be. However, why did you name your kid? (laughs) That's kind of mean, but why did you name your kid Gillian and then determine that it was pronounced Gillian? Well, but now it's got me all messed up in the head because I have a friend who I met this year whose name is Gillian with the G, oh. so same same spelling. And I asked her if it was Gillian or Gillian, and she was like, "What? Why would <laughs> I don't it be think Gillian? anybody. I don't think anybody is pronounced Gillian except maybe Gillian Anderson. Gil- Gillian <laughs> Anderson. It's just it even. I'm sorry. Now I'm just being mean. Uh, it just seems. Wait. Also, that is not her name. We keep saying Gillian Anderson. That's the sex education lady, Gillian Jacobs. We're saying sec- the, sec- the lady who's in sex education and X-Files is Gillian Anderson. Wait, Jill- her name's Gillian Anderson. Wait, wait, wait. Both Gillian of them. Jacobs. No. Gillian Jacobs, Gillian Anderson, spelled exactly the same. Yes. I mean, obviously Anderson and Jacobs. Gillian Anderson, which is correct, except this is Gillian Jacobs. Great. Okay. I <laughs> also like Gillian Anderson. I like Gillian Jacobs as a rule in most things. I think she was the wrong choice for Transatlantic. It seemed like she was playing in a comedy when everyone else was in a drama. The like, I don't know, the plot was a little funky. Nothing really quite worked the right way, the way that I was hoping. I very much agree that it seemed like she was in a comedy and everyone else was in a drama. I only got through like two episodes. It was just in general, not for me in the first place, but the tone was really odd. I was very confused by that. Yeah, the main... Uh, dude character in particular. I was like, oh, he's act- like he's acting with a capital A. He's in a drama. He's doing stuff. He's going over mountains. He's saving people. And Gillian was like, I want to be a freedom fighter. And just like a very vaudeville feeling. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. Mary I Mitch feel like Ma- it was more modern than everyone else. That too. Her, her vibe and energy. Total mismatch. On all on all points. Did you watch the whole thing? I think I watched. No, I think I. I think I forced. Are there only six episodes? I honestly can't remember. I think I watched four or five, and I was like, you know what? I don't even care to see what happens next. So, well, yeah, watching almost the whole thing and just not finishing it is psychotic. <laughs> I more DNFs in 2024. I had a lot this year, and it always pains me. I really try to be. A completionist because I and I mark everything down on my spreadsheet. It really hurts me not to put a finished date mm-hmm. for shows. But if I try one episode of a show and I just simply cannot bring myself to watch more, like my life with the Walter Boys, Ooh, yeah. that that doesn't that doesn't bother me because in no world was I gonna get to the point where I could watch all ten episodes of that. Oh but if I watch like seven episodes of something and then there's only three left, like Outer Banks season three. That haunts me, even though I don't want to watch it. I'm glad we had this conversation because it did make me go back into my spreadsheet, and I do have an end date for season one, and I did finish it. 
So I'm proud of you. And I still gave it, I gave it a two out of five. It's not great. No. It's pretty bad. Do you rate everything in your spreadsheet out of five? Sometimes. Do you think it's a little unhinged that we use letter grades for the newsletter, but everything else uses five stars? I think everything's unhinged these days. (laughs) I wonder, yeah, I should start rating things right after I finish them because then I could get better at, like rating is so hard. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's an A. And then the next day I'm like, well, it could be a B also. Sometimes go back. I'll go back and revisit and then be like, why don't I only give this two stars? That's the, that's the thing. It's like the recency. When you finish something and rate it right away, yeah, you're really like riding whatever emotion you just felt, especially if the season ended like weirdly. Totally. What is my next one? It could be out of my season three, but it's not because I had no hopes for that. I mean, it still disappointed me, but no. Mine is The Summer I Turned Pretty season two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was actually hugely disappointing for me. I was upset. Season one, I had no hopes for. I thought it was going to be a dumb little teen show. I thought it was going to be not for me. I put it on thinking I was going to watch like one episode, maybe force myself through some more just to be able to like review it. I loved it. Season one was so fun, joyful, emotive, sentimental, but not overly so. I mean, it's a teen show, but it's well done in most facets. So I was so excited for season two, my little summer, my cute little summer teen show. And it was bad. It was, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't say bad again. It was very disappointing in that it took away all the fun summer vibes. It was like sad winter vibes, which is just the story. That's not the fault of like the adaptation. Mm. These are based on books. The second book is just sad and in the winter. Fine. That doesn't mean I have to like it. I wanted fun summer vibes. They released it in the summer. No summer vibes to be found. But worse than that, much worse than that, is that the second season, second story, second season, ruins every single character. (laughs) In the first season, there's like something still redeeming about Belly. This story is a love triangle. There's not much else to it. Belly's like picking between (laughs) these two brothers. And that sounds really horrible, but it makes sense in season one. And there's like some reasoning behind all of her actions in season two she's the worst character in the world she's just mean she's stringing both men along bouncing between them i'm sorry you're an adult now she's like in maybe senior year of high school she's not an adult but it's just very frustrating to watch and then by the time the season ends you just don't like anybody everybody is terrible all the characters suck they're all making decisions that make no sense yeah and it made me really mad I was really unhappy with it. (laughs) I'm so sorry. This did not make my disappointment list, but I agree with you. I think season two was worse than season one, but I didn't love season one the way you did. So I didn't, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, can't wait for Summer I Turned Pretty season two. Uh, Yeah, I think all of the things that you said are valid. The characters become so much more one-dimensional. I don't know if that's possible to become more more one-dimensional, but they lose dimension for sure. They all become people who think like don't think about consequences, I think. And they're just sort of like, this is how I'm feeling, so I'm gonna act this way now. And it's they're all become very petulant and childish, like even Conrad, just t- truly only in their I don't know enough about um psychology or philosophy or whatever to use the correct thing but I think they're all in their id is that a thing where they're all just like 
playing to the childish, most childish parts of themselves and just like try, like, I'm hungry. I will eat. I want to kiss this boy. So I will. I want to like be mad because even though I dumped Belly, I now want her back. Like only acting on the first thought that's in their head at whatever time. That's how it felt to me. I was like, you don't, there's so much context. You were there. We were there. Don't you remember? And it just seemed like, no, they didn't. They didn't care. That's what bugs me though, is that in the first season, like you could say, oh, well, they're teens. That's how teens are. But in the first season, I feel like there is more rational thought and everybody is like a little bit more mature for their age. And then in season two, it was like, throw all of that out the window. Belly's now the worst person you've ever met. She throws a fit at a funeral and can't pick between these two boys. Mm -hmm. And it just gets so annoying. Also, the subplots are, who cares about the house? I don't care about the house. Leave me alone. Just the only I uh, but I guess I do care about the house, the, but mostly because I'm like, oh, that does seem like such a nice property to have. Oh, it's a pretty house. <laughs> it's but also so nice. show me more of the house in summer. Once again, summer vibes, please. I'm, my very first sentence was probably the point though, is that I had no hopes going into season one and it was better and my hopes were too high for this season. But I do think beyond that, it just wasn't as good. And I stand by that. Yeah. Agreed. My um, final disappointment in my official grouping, uh, you're maybe going to yell at me for, but that's okay. And the world may yell at me for, but it's Ted Lasso season three. I can't yell at you. You're you're not wrong. It was a letdown. It was a letdown from the first season and even the second, even though I didn't like the second as much as the first. I feel like every season post the first, I was just sort of like, oh, man. Where's the magic? I feel like it actually is the purely the definition of this episode being disappointments. Like it is the best answer because I loved Ted Lasso season one. Really, really liked season two. Wanted this season, like just assumed this season would be great. I'd get happy vibes. I'd laugh a lot. Everything would be great. And it would Everything wrap would up be happy well. and yeah. I would be happy. <laughs> and I watched every episode being like, mm, are we sure? Was that really? This isn't what I wanted. <laughs> and so, yes, in that way, I agree with you. I think time has time has been kind to, to Ted this Lasso in season. your mind because I just I'm the whole show. I still hold in high esteem as a whole. I mean, and so I, I I've given season three a lot more leeway. It was a disappointment in the moment, and I don't really feel the need to rewatch it. But the show is a feel-good show. I think it it really like mismanaged some of the character arcs pretty extremely, pretty terribly but, in season three. But that's but that's okay. I have a fondness in season three for specifically Jamie and almost Roy, except that they messed it up in the last two episodes. Like the arcs of Jamie and Roy, I was all in on for season three and th those were my saving graces and uh jamie that that's a full send i i love jamie in this season and if i ever do rewatch till that's season three i might only watch the scenes that he's in um <laughs> but that was definitely the best character arc and just a well done character arc maybe the only well done one but from season one to season three jamie's character arc i mean that is just exceptional that is very good storytelling yeah so but oh all in all yeah, I think you said everything that I 
felt and that we've talked about in our actually specific Ted Lasso episodes earlier this year was hoping for so much more than we got. And uh, I thought the execution of season three was was disappointing. Don't need to say more. Don't need to harp on it. I feel like you did a better job of choosing actual disappointments. And even though I said I chose disappointments, I also just kind of chose ones that I thought were bad. Like Ted Lasso season three was really a disappointment, but I didn't even put it on my like list of all my disappointments when I was making that because I still liked it. Hmm. Like I definitely liked it more than you did in general, but it's still a good example. I picked for my the third one to speak about. I picked Upload season three. Oh, okay. I mean, that seems more in line with my definition. I think it, what my it is, but it's, of, yeah. it's like I also didn't like it. So like hmm. I picked ones that were disappointing, but also like towards the bottom of my ranked list, which like I keep a running ranked list of all the shows for the year, and I only looked at like the bottom twenty. Whereas Ted Lasso yeah. is like definitely in like the top 20, even though I was disappointed by it and it's not okay. in the top 10. Listen, I said time has been kind I know, to I know, it. I know, I know. It, it's up there. But upload season three for me was really disappointing because I liked season one a lot. I wouldn't say I liked season two a whole lot, but it was really short. And I was kind of hoping they like course corrected in season three and mm-hmm. brought us back to the comedy of season one, the vibes. It went further in the direction of what I didn't like in season two, though, which was this like conspiracy, mystery, sci-fi drama situation instead of like an ensemble comedy. Yeah. And in that way, I think it's really lost what made it good and charming. And it is no longer charming at all, really. It's just sort of like... Gag it, after gag. Kind of – it's – the gags are the only thing left in the in the comedy sense. There's really no – there's really no like – there's none of that ensemble comedy. There's no beating like, heart. Banter. Yeah, I agree. Charm. And there are still jokes, but yeah, they kind of thud. And there's too much to keep track of. Like, I'm sorry, this is still first and foremost a comedy. That's still how they bill it. But I'm over here like, wait, what happened last episode? How's he being like – How's this science working? What's the conspiracy here? Who's the bad guy? And that's too much for this show. They went in a, in the wrong direction. Yeah, I agree. Come to season three and I care so much more about how things work, which is not what I should be paying attention to. <laughs> this, I, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast episode where I compare it a lot to The Good Place because that does have plot intrigue but remains an ensemble comedy and they should have somehow tried to make that happen. Like, I think they still could have had the conspiracy portions. I think that still was interesting. I know you didn't like season two. I thought it was like, I was like, oh, I'm sort of interested in where this is going. But you're right. They then took it way too far in that direction. And like we were saying, there's no like beating heart tying the whole thing together. It feels like just a series of SNL skits like shoved together in one thing. Like, oh, we're, we're satirizing Prime Day here's this bit and like whatever the next thing is. Um, I'm also really glad that we had three different disappointments because I agree, except for the one that I didn't even watch because you were disappointed in it. But I, I agree with all of your takes as well. And I'm glad we got to talk about them because I had totally forgotten about upload season three, even though that, that was a recent watch. Yeah. That one like just happened. Yeah. I feel like with the good place, the difference is you could go into any episode and still enjoy it you don't really need to know like where in the 
that sort of like mystical reality they are or what's going on in it or who the power players are. Those people come and go, the like worlds come and go throughout the seasons and there are plots to follow. It's not the point. You don't need to remember all of it. Whereas upload would make no sense. If I dropped you into some the proverbial you into an episode in season three, it would be like, I have literally no idea what's going on for these people. What are they trying to accomplish? It's too, they put way too much importance on that. And in the good place, like the heart of it is still the dynamics between those four or five, I guess, depending on how you count. And that's just why it's better. Agreed. Um, I had a couple more listed, but mainly for one that I want to mention, if that's okay, if that's, if you'll allow it was more, was less a disappointment in the show, but more a disappointment in the fact that it was canceled which that was another direction I wasn't sure if we were going to go in, but it's uh, 1899. Well, that's just an entirely different But it's a disappointment. (laughs) It's a disappointment of 2023. Was that – I think that was canceled – yeah, that might have been like really early this year. Yeah. You you time-checked it? I time-checked. I was like, it's definitely almost a full year ago at this point. But I agree that it was very upsetting that it was canceled. I don't agree that it fits this category, but I'll allow it. I'll allow us to talk about it because we don't it's have- still actually making me sad. And that's crazy for – We don't have to fully talk about it. We don't have to like go into everything that we loved about it or – or. But, but I think we should mention – sorry, you were saying you're, you're still fully sad. Yeah, I'm still sad about it and that's crazy for a show that was like sort of random. Like just a <laughs> random one season of a show. I mean, it was the dark creators, but otherwise – like typically I just, I don't know, I watch a lot of stuff. I didn't like love it. I wasn't obsessed with it. So for me to still be, I think it's just because it's the mystery and I want to know what was going on. That's yeah, really why. It was decent enough. Like it does it didn't need to be the best show ever. A lot of better shows have, I mean, sorry, a lot worse shows have gotten second seasons and this one deserved a second season. I want to know what happens. I know. It had to have been just like overly expensive. Maybe. I wish they would at least tell us what was going to happen. Like yeah. how Mike Flanagan, when Midnight Club got canceled, he published like on his own blog or tumblr or somewhere love tumblr. like i think it wasn't tumblr it's was probably like medium like he published exactly what was going to happen in the next two seasons like every character's arc wow what the mysteries were and how they were going to get answered and yeah i didn't experience reading that the way i would have experienced watching it and i think that's where creators get like upset like oh the, the vision is so different if i just explain it it won't really make sense or it won't have the same punch. Hit the same notes, But I still yeah. need to know. I need to know what was going on on the ship. Like, I need to know so badly. <sighs> Me too. I think that's – I have – Oh, yeah. Go. One, one more that I, like, really wanted to put on the list, but then decided that it didn't fit the definition. And I won't say a lot about it. I'll just say wilderness was funny because I had no concept about it at all. No preconceived notions. It dropped on Prime pretty much out of nowhere. But like a week before it was supposed to drop on Prime, they released a trailer and that trailer featured the Taylor's version of Look What You Made Me Do. Mm. A previously unheard Taylor's version, which is a big deal if you're a Swifty. And I was like, this is iconic. And the trailer was great and it had good vibes. Like Girls Can Be Bad too vibes, which is a little overtread, but still fun as a subgenre. Oh my God, it was just bad though. They just squandered like all of the potential. And I had Jenna Coleman. I love Jenna Coleman, but man, it was so disappointing. It really was. It's another one I didn't even try because because you were were so disappointed in it. You wouldn't have liked it. 
It was, I mean, it was a disappointment. I at least watched the whole thing, but I, yeah, I don't think you would have even made it through like two episodes. That one's just really sad. That one is sad. I'm sad about that one. (laughs) I'm sad about a lot of these, (laughs) but I know I feel like this was a little bit of a downer episode. The good news is, is that the, the episode to follow this one will be our, our underrated picks of 2023, which I think could also sort of fit the bill of things we weren't expecting to be as good as they were. Um, although that's not the definition. I just mean it can be more of an upper than this disappointments list is. So stay tuned for that. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen.